With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the art studio. Well, it keeps happening. Every day I wake up, I feel like I'm living in a funhouse universe of what the hell the world should actually be like. December 10th, U.S. Representative Tulsi Gabbard, the Democrat from Hawaii, introduced the Stop Arming Terrorists Act. Now, in case any of you don't know it, because obviously none of us knew it, they keep everything hidden from us, we've been funding the terrorists. And when I say terrorists, I mean ISIS. We are in the middle of a massive distortion of what the news says to us and what is actually the truth. Syria is a good case in point. We pretend that Russia and a group of terrorists are attacking Syria and causing all these uh, atrocities. The fact of it is, is that we, the USA, have been backing and are the terrorists giving money and means to them and we want to overthrow the government in Syria in order to put an oil pipeline through that country. So that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Now, of course, we could drill down for hours into the details, but that fact alone is pretty disconcerting. The fact that it turns out that we are the ones who have created and are funding the terrorists in the Middle East, the ones we're supposedly fighting. It's really bizarre. Another thing that's happened over the last few weeks after the election is uh, several weird things have happened. Well, they've demanded a recount. That didn't work out. And now they're, they said that Comey, the FBI guy, caused Clinton the election. That really didn't work out. They're saying fake news caused Clinton the election. That hasn't really worked out. And now they've brought out the biggest boogeyman of all, Russia. From a quote-unquote CIA leak, it turns out that Russia was, was the people who leaked the fact that the Democrats screwed over Bernie Sanders and basically stole the nomination from him. That's, that's the information that got leaked, essentially, that's so damning to her. They don't deny any of it's true. They're just trying to point the fingers at the Russians. And now they're pointing the fingers at the Russians in a way that is absolutely hysterical and off the charts. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's as if they are pushing for World War III or a confrontation or something with Russia. And the confrontation proves the fact, so to speak. And the fact that they're trying to prove is that Russia has been meddling in our election. The whole thing is utterly preposterous and bullshit. And we're supposed to rely on the CIA as giving us the information that we can trust on this issue and many others. It's also been reported that the FBI disagrees with them. Now, here's the thing. We can't trust almost anything that is reported. So how can we understand what the truth is? And that's the very confusing part. Not long ago, a reporter from Canada went in front of the United Nations and said to the United Nations that the United States is the, is the entity who is acting as the aggressor in Syria. It's hard to believe 
that she could sit there and tell the world that and nothing comes of that fact. Now you have to say to yourself then, is she a complete liar? Is the truth somewhere in the middle? Or is she actually telling the truth? Are we really funding terrorists and uh, trying to overthrow governments in the Middle East? Is that what, what we're really up to? Again, it's com- very hard for me to understand the truth. But back to this now vilifying of the Russians and seemingly through the media trying to create and heighten tensions about the Russians. Just two weeks ago, there was nothing very much about the Russians. Now they have made it a huge, huge issue. Before every war, there is a pile of lies that is delivered to the American people. A giant pile of lies every time. And then after the dust settles, it turns out that they were delivering misinformation in order to get the people whipped up into, you know, going to war or not complaining too much about it. I think we are in that position here. And the media is so utterly distorted and bizarre. Uh, it's, It's really hard to follow anymore. You know, probably the most discredited person on the Internet, or at least one of them, is Alex Jones. You know, the InfoWars guy. And, and you know, a, a clock that's wrong is still right twice a day. I mean, a clock that's broken <laughs> is still right twice a day. So it seems like Alex Jones is having his moment because he is saying that the powers that be and so forth are creating fictitious stories trying to steal the election from Trump in one way or another. It's... It's kind of bizarre, but it's actually like it's happening. The media is so incredibly biased and throwing so much crap and nonsense. You have to wonder what what their motivation is about the whole thing. In other words, if everything they're saying is a lie, it must be to some end result to have that lie created. Are they trying to stop him from getting elected? It seems like they're, they're talking about how people need CIA briefings who are going to participate in the Electoral College. And these briefings will tell them if Russia has tampered with our voting system or not. That's absolutely, completely preposterous. It's, it's ridiculous. We are living in a time I thought I'd never see in the United States. And I only talk about it because it's on my mind and it's in my face. I'm really sort of, in other words, there's certain things you, you, you would like love to ignore, but you can't. And I can't ignore this stuff at, at this time. It's, it's literally in my face, and maybe that's my fault. I know not everybody focuses on politics or what's happening in the world, but uh, it's kind of come into my life and into my consciousness without invitation, but it's here now, and so I'm talking about it. You know, Keith Oberman is like this reporter, and uh, years ago he was on NBC, then MSNBC, and he was actually sort of a voice of reason, believe it or not. He sort of like told it how it, how it is. Now he's been doing a series of YouTube videos for, I guess, a year now. And they've gotten more and more distorted and more and more crazy. And he's become sort of like this crazy otherworldly version of himself. For those who've ever seen Alex Jones scream and carry on, this is what Keith Oberman has become. He's become like the other side of the coin of Alex Jones. He really wants an overthrow of Trump. (laughs) I mean, he really wants it. He is instigating it. He's asking for it. He's talking about how we need to get down to business and convince people uh, that 
you know, Pence can become the vice president and through an act of Congress, we can throw Trump out. This is true. He's been beating this crazy drum. And they and, he, and one of the things he does is try to scare the hell out of you of how horrible uh, Trump is and how things are going to go bad underneath his presidency. I'm not defending Trump. I'm just sort of blown away by the people that are so bitterly, bitterly attacking him with quote-unquote facts from Russia to you name it, and it's mounting more and more every day. And you know, whenever the media fights against something and builds their case, you know it's not a good thing because it always turns out to be a giant pack of lies. And that's the real scary thing about all this is that we know they're not telling us the truth. We just can't be sure then what is the truth or what the hell is actually going on. So everything's up in the air. But the news has never gone harder against somebody than they've gone against Donald Trump. I saw this thing in the news where they went through the polls one by one and basically they mocked Donald Trump supporters like Donald Trump supporters believe that blah 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 and Donald Trump supporters believe blah 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 in a real mocking condescending way going on for almost like a half an hour of this how does mocking a part of the country that voted for somebody serve the news media or us as a country or people you know we don't have to agree but the unanimous decision seems to be that anybody who voted for Donald Trump was a low information uninformed voter just five months ago we were talking about how Hillary Clinton sat down and bold-faced lied to the FBI about sending secure and top-secret information off of her home-brewed server. And she lied repeatedly about the whole thing. And when she was questioned about the lies, she just said that the person who asked her that question got the questions wrong. In other words, Clinton was never able to actually admit she'd done anything wrong. She was just sorry she set up a home server and she wouldn't do it again. Anybody else in her position would have been sent to prison for revealing U.S. secrets or at least making them vulnerable. So five months ago, that was the discussion. And there's many other examples of Hillary Clinton lying to the American people, obviously. But that was like the big discussion then. And, you know, there was no talk about Russia or fake news or all this other stuff that in the last few weeks has now become such incredible problems that we have to rush legislation through Congress to battle with the fake news. Why wasn't fake news a problem in September? Why wasn't it a problem in October? Every single thing we're told, it seems, is basically a fabricated lie by the state. And when I mean the state, I mean the government. What the hell has gone wrong with our country? And, and you know, just to touch on it again, this whole thing with Syria, turns out this whole humanitarian crisis, people dying, death in the streets, we are financing that and we have created it in order to run another oil pipeline. How far will we go to run oil pipelines. I guess it's unlimited. We'll kill and do whatever we have to do. Here's the crazy thing about this. I went and read up about all of this that I'm talking about uh, before I started talking about it. And even after reading up about it and, and you know reading the long-form facts, so to speak, I'm still absolutely blown away by what's happening and it seems to be mounting and mounting and growing almost in a wave and maybe it's just me but it seems like there's a bigger and bigger wave of bullshit building all the time 
I've never seen the media attack, go after, and and just distort in a crazy manner facts such as they've been doing over the last few months. They've become absolute fanatics at it. The corporate oligarchs that run the media and run the country are just spewing their BS out of the mouths of the newscasters and the media. And it's it's just a giant pile of steaming crap. And I'm sort of overwhelmed by it. Every day, there's more and more of it. And, you know, I try to keep up, but it's hard to keep up with even what's happening on a daily basis. And it's hard to believe it. And it's hard to believe now that Alex Jones, who is so supposedly seen as some, you know, crazy theorist, his his <laughs> his ideas that the media is a bunch of giant liars and that the government is running on some other agenda and that the media is moving against Donald Trump and lying about him and the Democrats are covering all this up and instigating it in many ways. The fact that what he's saying is is true is totally crazy. I mean, who would ever think that Alex Jones would turn out to be on the right side of the issues? And Keith Oberman would be some screaming nut job asking us to overturn the election. It it doesn't make any sense. Everything literally has become so topsy-turvy that I look at it and just I'm kind of like in, in stunned silence. I, I really am. As usual, I have no answers for it. I can only report that it's happening. And this whole idea that we are supposed to believe that the CIA would not lie to us about something is so utterly preposterous. It's like saying Bozo has nothing to do with being a clown. He's totally off that clown stuff. And yet, if we look at Bozo, he clearly is a clown. And the CIA is clearly a bunch of liars fabricating nonsense. And that's their job. That's what they do. Uh, (laughs) We as a country and as a people have really no one to turn to that we can trust from what we call a position of power and position to give us an opinion that we can count on. They can drag us into war with Russia next week if they want to, and we can't stop them. If that's what they want to do, that's what they're, they're going to do. And, and it's a frightening feeling to be so powerless in the face of such a giant machine. And I always knew the media distorted and lied, but I never have ever seen it on a level like this. It, it's absolutely outrageous. And every now and then, like this congressman trying to pass a bill stopping us from funding terrorists, there's a crack and a leak in the picture that they show us, and then we can see into the big picture. I mean, honestly, when you look at this legislation, you're thinking, well, why the hell do we need legislation to stop funding terrorists? It doesn't make any sense. And when you look into it and you see what the hell we're doing, you can, (laughs) like me, you completely freak out and go, I can't believe it. We are, are, you know, our media has been lying to us about this whole situation the whole time, and we are the ones who are instigating the conflict. It's us. And this whole thing about Russia, Russia, whatever, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's another boogeyman. It's another Cold War uh, dodge. And, you know, where was this just two, three weeks ago, all this problem with Russia? Didn't exist. They're fabricating so much fake news and so much nonsense and loading it up on us. If the point is to confuse us and to overwhelm us with nonsense, they've certainly done that. Because that's how I feel about it now. I'm completely overwhelmed (laughs) with their nonsense. Anyway, thanks for all those that have reached out to me uh, saying hello. 
Happy holidays to all of you. Have a great Christmas. Have a great New Year's. I'm sure I'll be back in just a few days chatting again. But I wanted to stop in and talk today in the art studio about what I think is a spiraling, out-of-control media and uh, situation that we have going on here in our country right now. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, I'm here with the comedian Ron Placone. Hey, Ron. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. How's it going? Good. Also, Hank Thompson is with us, as always. Everybody calm down. I'm here. And uh, so, there he um, goes. We played this on the show before. It's the U.N. ambassador, our United States ambassador to the U.N., and she's upset about Russia and Syria, and she said this stuff. To the Assad regime, Russia and Iran, your forces and proxies are carrying out these crimes. Your barrel bombs and mortars and airstrikes have allowed the militia in Aleppo to encircle tens of thousands of civilians in your ever-tightening noose. It is your noose. Three member states of the UN contributing to a noose around civilians. It should shame you. Instead, by all appearances, it is emboldening you. You are plotting your next assault. Are you truly incapable of shame? Is there literally nothing that can shame you? So, again, we did this yesterday. It's just disgusting. That's just disgusting what she's doing uh, because Assad is fighting, first of all, as if we're better. In the United States, right now, we've set the Middle East on fire. <laughs> literally, literally. And here we are, uh, I mean, from Iraq, where we kill hundreds of thousands of people, millions displaced, uh, Libya, we, kill, we turn it into a failed state. Now we're in, we've dropped so many bombs in Syria, we're in out of bombs. We're still in Afghanistan 15 years later. And by the way, when we went into Afghanistan, all the aid agencies warned us not to go in because half the population was living on the brink of starvation. And we did it anyway. We went in and we bombed everyone. We don't give a shit. So that woman is full of shit and don't believe one goddamn person from the American government. Why? Because I was listening to a real journalist. Because uh, here's a woman, her name is Eva Bartlett, and she's an independent Canadian journalist, and this is from, she went to uh, Aleppo. She she went there, and she, uh, well, she has this, let me see if this is the clip I want to play. So that's to say that what we've been hearing in the corporate media is not depicting an accurate uh, image of what's happening in Aleppo. The corporate media is saying that the Syrian army is attacking people, and until today, the corporate media is maintaining this, even though the exact opposite is true. Uh What? The exact opposite is true? The exact opposite is true? So I'm just going to break it down really quickly what's happening in Syria. Saudi Arabia, who we're in bed with because of the petrodollar, wants to overthrow Assad because they want to send a pipeline through Syria and sell natural gas to Europe. Assad said no, because Russia sells most of that natural gas to Europe now, and they don't want the competition. So Assad backs is going with Putin, Russia. They're together. And guess what? Saudi Arabia sends a bunch of terrorists into Syria to start killing people so we overthrow that government so they can put a pipeline through. And guess who's helping them? We are. The United States is helping to overthrow a sovereign nation. Why? And who are we fighting with? Our enemy, ISIS, and all the other offshoots. We're doing it. That's why Tulsi Gabbard had to put a... Uh, uh, a bill in Congress that says we have the United States should stop funding terrorists today. So, th- so that's what's going on in Syria. Just so you know what's going on in Syria, we're the bad guys as usual. We need to get the fuck out of Syria and stop the fighting in Syria. Not keep fighting, trying to overthrow a government. And who are you going to put in its place? You're going to put ISIS in its place because that's who's fighting him. I know what you think you're going to put in place. You're going to put in a puppet, but let's get back to this. Well, what, Ron? Is, would, well, Jimmy, I was just going to say a side note where, where she pointed out the misinformation from the corporate media. I mean, you point out the, the the pipeline conflict of interest there, but but another big thing to always keep in mind when viewing this stuff. Up until recently, MSNBC was owned by General Electric. Now they're owned by by a much more uh, principled company known for great customer service, Comcast. But they used to be owned uh, by General Electric. Meaning, there's always been my point. There's always been this pro-war tint in the corporate media. By the way, General Electric was a huge defense contractor. Right. What a better, what a better, what a better company to bring your news about a war. 
Exactly. So there's always been this pro-war bent. And even though the ownership has shifted now, that's not going to go away right away. So we always have a bent pro-war media. We've had that for a long time now. And if other countries did something like that, we'd be outraged. But when we do it, it's free market. It's And war, and war sells papers. So let's go back. She has more to say. I would ask you to follow the voices of people in Syria who, like my colleagues here said, they want you to speak the truth. They don't, they're tired of lies. They're very aware, very well aware of the lies that our media is purporting and that our human rights groups are purporting. They want an end to the violence. They don't want this war to continue. They didn't ask for this war. But as uh, my colleagues stressed, Syria is a sovereign nation. It has the right to fight against terrorism. And we know that 101 of 193 UN member states have sent terrorists to Syria. To Isn't that wild? 101 nations have sent terrorists into Syria. That's how much they want this pipeline. Isn't that something? And this isn't a Sunni Shia thing. That's what they're, oh, they're going to try and do that. No, no, no. The Sunnis are, the people of Syria, according to her, are supporting Assad. They don't want these terrorists in their country turning it into what it is. We're going to go on. She has more to say. Order and destroy. So Syria is fighting a war against terrorism. It's winning in Aleppo and hopefully... Hopefully, either the terrorist will accept a deal to be transported out of Aleppo. Hopefully, they will participate in the Musalaha, the reconciliation, will lay down their arms, will take the amnesty offered to them by the government, and which has been um, taken by thousands of former militants. And hopefully, above all, the U.S. will stop supporting terrorism and stop funding terrorism. And hopefully, this new bill will take fire, will take, uh, will will be supported. And actually, it will be impossible to fund and armed mercenaries from FSA, Ahrar al-Sham, Nazinki, and all the colors in between, because they're all the same terrorists. So what she just said was, the United States is the terrorist in Syria. We're terrorists in Syria. Of course we are. But again, there's another religion and brown people somewhere else that are worse than us because they cut off people's heads with kitchen knives. They're horrible. I'll guess who's funding them now. We are. Why? Because we're full of shit. That's why. Because it's all about fossil fuels and power and money, and it always has been. And when Chris Matthews shows a video of somebody cutting someone's head off with a kitchen knife and freaks out and demands the government go to war over it, that guy's a tool of the military-industrial complex, just like the rest of the media. That's why the media is failing. That's why our country's failing. Because the media is failing. Horribly, from the New York Times to CNN to MSNBC to Jagoff podcasters to everybody, it's failing, and it comes down to to a handful of people willing to tell the truth, like this woman who actually went on the ground there and found out what's happening in Syria and got through all the bullshit lies. We are at war with Russia. Or perhaps more correctly, we have lost a war with Russia without a battle. We are no longer a sovereign nation. We are no longer a democracy. We are no longer a free people. We are the victims of a bloodless coup. So far, a bloodless coup engineered by Russia with, at best, the traitorous indifference of the Republican Party and Donald John Trump, a man who, to borrow a phrase from another December long ago, will live in infamy. In five weeks' time, unless desperate measures are taken, we will hand over the government to a man who lost the popular vote by more than Woodrow Wilson or Jimmy Carter won it, a man whom the Russians wanted to run our country for them, a man whom the Russians got to run our country for them, a man for whom the Russians interfered with our elections, which, if we did it to another country, would be described as an act of war. And in this country, we have conceded defeat. Some experts, John Kasich's strategist, John Weaver for one, have compared this to Pearl Harbor. Even the hard-right ex-congressman Joe Walsh says Republican silence will be tantamount to treason. Some others, too, have proved courageous. Trump, self-destructive to the last, issued a childish statement mocking the CIA, but as Tim Dickinson of Rolling Stone noted, not denying anything. But the vast majority of Republicans have said nothing. And the vast majority of Democrats have said nothing. And the vast majority of the media has said nothing of substance. And the president has said nothing close to enough. The CIA and FBI and Homeland Security, the institutions whose interest in freedom we on the left most frequently distrust, 
They have said something. They said it first to congressional and Senate Republicans in September. Dire warnings, warnings that Mitch McConnell and other Republicans reportedly buried, warnings that the Russians, using computer hacking and perhaps other means, were not merely trying to discredit the election, but to achieve the specific outcome of electing their man Trump. And finally, at the very last hour, some of those who did those briefings and some of those who received those briefings leaked the details to the New York Times, the Washington Post, CBS News, Reuters, in a torrent of anguished honesty. They said something. They said something as the president not-elect began to veer towards appointing as Secretary of State, as our diplomatic face to the world, the CEO of Exxon who four years ago received the order of friendship from Vladimir Putin. They said something as the members of the Electoral College prepared to gather next Monday to finalize this coup. Some, perhaps unaware that almost half the states they represent permit them by law to vote for someone other than the candidate to whom they are pledged, and that only 38 of them need to do so to prevent this coup. They said something as one especially chilling detail in one of the reports sailed by that, quote, the Russians hacked the Republican National Committee's computer systems in addition to their attacks on Democratic organizations, but did not release whatever information they gleaned from the Republican networks. It is a short leap from that conclusion, and it is anything but a conspiracy theory to be wondering if the Russians hacked the RNC and have kept what they found there to make sure Trump and the Republicans obeyed. The President of the United States, who at this rate will be the last freely elected President of the United States, made in his measured way a small gesture last Friday that perhaps opened the door to these horrifying revelations of a coup by an outside power nearly complete he asked for a full review, but we do not have time for a full review. Barack Obama has twice stood in front of America, in front of the world, in front of history, and said, I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Today is the time for him to do so. He must immediately declassify and release all relevant materials held by the FBI, the CIA, DHS, and the other intelligence and security services, and in the White House, and anywhere else in government. And the Attorney General must immediately appoint a special prosecutor to investigate what Donald Trump knew, and when he knew it, and what, if any, collusive links exist now or existed earlier between the Russian Federation and the Republican National Committee. If Trump does grab power, he can try to dismiss that special prosecutor, but he will at least have to get the courts to sanction him. And most immediately, the intelligence briefing proposed today for the Electoral College, what the CIA and the others know, when they knew it, how much the Trump campaign knew, that must be conducted without delay and without redactions. There are no arguments of security or face-saving or intelligence secrecy or national interest that carry any weight now. How much worse can it get by telling America the unvarnished, unprocessed, unredacted truth about this coup? We are already on the precipice of losing the freedom and independence of the nation. He must tell us so that we may defend ourselves. He must tell the electors of the Electoral College so that microscopic as the chance may be, they could still prevent this cataclysm. There is no time for a full review or a measured analysis or recommendations to prevent interference in our future elections because permitting Donald Trump to assume the office of president reduces the chance that we will have any future elections. The nation and all of our freedoms hang by a thread, and the military apparatus of this country is about to be handed over to scum who are beholden to scum, Russian scum. As things are today, January 20th will not be an inauguration, but rather the end of the United States as an independent country. It will not be a peaceful change of power. It will be a usurpation, and the usurper has no validity, no credibility, and no authority under the Constitution. This is a reality that will become the only reality until this country rids itself of Donald John Trump. He is not a president. He is a puppet put in power by Vladimir Putin. And those who ignore these elemental existential facts, Democrats or Republicans, are traitors to this country and will immediately and forever after be held accountable. Resist.
Peace. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. And what, this worst Thanksgiving week since 2001, might we have to give thanks for? One thing, the 25th Amendment, Section 4. History pays little attention to this, but the first time an American president died in office, William Henry Harrison, just 31 days after his inauguration in 1841, nobody was sure what was supposed to happen next. Incredibly, the Constitution was not terribly specific. Did the vice president become acting president? Did his title remain vice president, but he got executive powers? The vice president, John Tyler, decided to have a judge administer the presidential oath, and he spent the rest of his time in the White House refusing to answer to anything except President Tyler. But even as seven more presidents died in office, the process was still unofficial. Worse yet, twice in the 20th century, presidents became incapacitated while in office. Woodrow Wilson not only suffered a stroke 17 months before the end of his term, but as we are only now truly learning, the stroke affected his ability to fully understand that he had had a stroke. President Wilson fought or fired anybody who suggested he should give up the presidency permanently or temporarily. Besides which, there were no constitutional means for Wilson to give up the presidency temporarily, and the Constitution still had no official succession process, not for a resignation, and certainly not for a forced removal because the president could no longer discharge the powers and duties of his office. And then on September 24, 1955, while playing golf, President Dwight Eisenhower had a heart attack. The stock market panicked. It lost $14 billion in one day. Eisenhower was hospitalized for seven weeks, and still there was no specific provision for the vice president, Richard Nixon, to even briefly assume any executive powers. Finally, the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963 brought this matter to a head. Not only did the succession need to be spelled out in a constitutional amendment, but so did temporary transfer of power and a new idea that if the vice presidency became vacant, the president should be able to nominate a new vice president. And it also became clear that death or resignation or impeachment could undo an election. If, say, Eisenhower, a Republican, had died or resigned, and Nixon, a Republican, had succeeded him, and then he had died or resigned or been impeached and removed, the constitutional succession meant the Speaker of the House would then become president. The Speaker of the House, for the last six years of the Eisenhower term, was Sam Rayburn, a Democrat. Control of the presidency would have changed parties without an election. So, in 1965, the 25th Amendment to the Constitution was proposed, and two years later it was enacted. Section 1 spelled out the succession to the vacant presidency. Section 2 allowed the president to nominate a new vice president, which would promptly happen twice in the next seven years. Section 3 permitted the president to temporarily transfer power to the vice president, which promptly happened for seven hours and 54 minutes, while Ronald Reagan underwent surgery in 1981. And then there is Section 4, written nearly 52 years ago, more with Woodrow Wilson in mind, and yet it might as well have been named for Donald John Trump. Probably easier if I just read this verbatim. Section 4, whenever the vice president and a majority of either of the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. There's more, but I hope you didn't miss the key point there. No hearings, no doctors, no conferences, no impeachments. The vice president and merely most of the cabinet write to the speaker, Paul Ryan, and to the Senate president pro tempore, Orrin Hatch, and they say, the president's unable to do the job and the vice president becomes acting president. No hearings, no doctors, no conferences, no impeachments, just by Felicia. Of course, the suddenly suspended president can try to regain power to resume the section. Thereafter, when the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that no inability exists, he shall resume the powers and duties of his office. Round one, they say he's unfit. Round two, he says he's fine. He resumes office. Not so fast. There's a round three. He shall resume the powers and duties of his office unless 
the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department or of such other body as Congress may by law provide transmit within four days to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Yes, invest in popcorn futures. If the vice president and his crew still say the president is unfit, the president is not restored to power. But wait, there's even more. There's a round four. Thereupon, Congress shall decide the issue, assembling within 48 hours for that purpose, if not in session. If the Congress, within 21 days after receipt of the latter written declaration, or if Congress is not in session within 21 days after Congress is required to assemble, determines by two-thirds vote of both houses that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall continue to discharge the same as acting president. Otherwise, the president shall resume the powers and duties of his office. Instant impeachment. Four days for the vice president and the cabinet to state again that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties, triggering a vote by the House and the Senate within about three weeks, and a two-thirds vote results in the president remaining in office with the title, but without the power. So it's a crazy man clause, right? In the case of Trump, it presumes he behaves as president as he is behaving as president-elect, which is a good presumption because as president-elect, he is behaving as he did as a candidate. For example, 24 of his first 40 tweets after the election consisted of the following. Six complaints about the New York Times, four complaints about the cast of Hamilton, one deleted, one complaint about Saturday Night Live, one complaint about how unfair protesters are, one complaint about a news story, three boasts about who called to congratulate him on his election, two claims that he could have won by a larger margin, two lies about keeping a Ford plant from moving to Mexico that was never moving to Mexico, two rationalizations about the 25 million he had to pay to avoid a trial for fraud, and two promos for television appearances, one deleted. For my money, he's nuts. Couldn't pass a sanity test. Open book. But of course, section four of the 25th Amendment here does not say nuts or impaired or erratic or unbalanced or unhealthy or bipolar or narcissist or sociopath or psychopath. It only says that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. Oh kind of vague, huh? If he was fine physically, even passable psychologically, the vice president could still clothesline Trump because he was, just to pick a few inappropriate behaviors at random, of course, bringing his daughter to the meetings with the prime minister of Japan or interrupting state business to meet with his Indian partners about Trump Tower Mumbai or pocketing profits by gently suggesting to foreign diplomats that the president would really like it if they all stayed in his hotel in Washington. Section four of the 25th Amendment to our Constitution provides the means, if they have the ethics, the patriotism, and the stones to use it, provides the means to Vice President-elect Pence and Trump's cabinet to remove him from office, basically as soon as the inauguration is over. But of course, not only doesn't section four say anything about doctors or health or psychosis, it also doesn't even say anything about corruption or ethics or disinterest. It doesn't say anything at all about why the president might be unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. It just talks about letters and declarations in 21 days and a two-third vote. A Republican vice president and a Republican cabinet and a Republican speaker of the House and a Republican president pro tempore of the Senate and a Republican House majority and a Republican Senate majority can just do it because, because they don't trust him, because they don't like him because it's Thursday. But even if you loathe or fear Trump, you must look at this and say, this can't happen in a democracy. The people voted for him. You can't just unprecedent him. The hell you can't. How did Margaret Thatcher wind up becoming the ex-Prime Minister of the United Kingdom? Lost the election? No. Decided to retire? No. Forced out by the votes of just 356 members of the House of Commons from her own party and she still got the majority of those votes and was forced out anyway. Three of Britain's last five prime ministers became prime minister without first being elected. Winston Churchill became their wartime prime minister in 1940, did not win an election for the job until 1951. So don't tell me this isn't democratic. Not only is the, the English example pertinent, but among other things, this is in our constitution right now.
And on February 23rd of next year, it will celebrate its 50th anniversary of being in our Constitution. Here's hoping we have a big birthday party that day for it, and I have just the right theme for it. And you know who bursts out of the 25th Amendment birthday cake, right? That's right. Acting President Mike Pence. Happy Thanksgiving. Resist. Peace. InfoWars has more than 15 YouTube channels and about 3 million subscribers. Our main channel has 1.854 or 1,854,000 plus subscribers. Now, they've been gaming the system for a long time to shut down nationalistic or patriotic media, saying we're right-wingers, saying we're extremists. Well, it doesn't matter who we are. We have a right to free speech, don't we, as long as we don't violate the rules. Well, now Zuckerberg has come out and said he's going to restrict conservative news like Communist China does, calling it fake news. And Google, that owns YouTube, has announced, and they've done it now two weeks ago, that they're going to basically make you click the bell in your notifications. We're going to show you how to do that or you won't get all the channels that you've subscribed to and you won't get the videos. Now, why are they doing this? It's more than just censoring. They want you to see the videos that they feed you below and beside the videos you're looking at that are corporately sponsored so they make more money. They're taking the you out of YouTube. So we're in this information war and it's more important than ever that you promote the videos, that you like the videos, and that you send them on to others. Because the answer to the attempt to shut us down and restrict free speech that's openly now happening is for us to redouble our efforts. We're winning the culture war as true classical liberals that made this country great. We're restoring the Renaissance. So again, if you want to get our videos so you can make your decision whether you want to see them or not. After all, that's why, why you subscribed. YouTube's had this since they started 12 years ago or whatever it was. And they're fundamentally changing it so you don't get it. So James Clapper, director of national intelligence, is the head guy over all the agencies. He says there's no proof of Russian hacking. We have Loretta Lynch, the uh, head of the Justice Department. They're really distancing themselves from this made-up report that phone calls were made here. I mean, I, I, folks, people say, oh, yeah, you can call the CIA. Or I can call, I mean, I talked to the president. I'm going to just stop right there. And if the media knew the inside baseball, they'd really be freaking out. So I'm not even going to go there. Believe me, folks, like you heard earlier, this is now the mouth of the resistance. I'm nothing. This is a conduit because I'm crazy enough to tell the truth. I'd really be crazy to not tell the truth. I'm not going along with these crazy people, these globalists. <laughs> They're bad news. They're evil. Look how they turn radical jihadis loose on the whole planet. They're scum. They're degenerate. Okay, so all 17 agencies say we're at war with Russia. Keith Oberman said so. Every other channel of mainstream media said so. Total proof, hacking. Everybody's a Russian agent but the Democrats. But, but here's Lynch on C-SPAN admitting uh, that uh, they don't have intelligence that it was the Russians. Here it is. Unfortunately, we didn't see the sort of technical interference that I know people had concerns about also in terms of voting machines and the like. But a lot of education went on about that. A lot of training went on about that. And a significant number of states did reach out to DHS and talk with them about those issues. Um, and so we thought that was an important step as well to make sure that every state knew they could work with us. And as you know, uh, the so president that's part of the larger clip we played the rest earlier. She's saying they didn't see the technical stuff like they're saying. They're just saying Russian propaganda affected it. There's more polling. <laughs> and this will not tell you about who is going to win any next thing. But honestly, this new polling, this turns out to be fascinating. And I think it may actually end up being really useful information in terms of understanding what is about to happen next in our country. Uh, and they start with some, some basic questions. Uh, so they ask the country, do you like Donald Trump? Um, and the country's answer is no. <laughs> no, 51% of the country views Donald Trump unfavorably. 51% unfavorable to 43% favorable. That's if you ask the whole country, do you like Trump? Uh, but if you ask Donald Trump voters, yeah, Donald Trump voters love Donald Trump, obviously. 87% favorable, they love him. But now look at this. Again, ask the whole country, do you like Barack Obama? 
The country's answer to that is yes, we do like Barack Obama. 50% favorable rating overall for Barack Obama, 45% unfavorable. That's for the whole country. But if you just ask Trump voters, do you like Barack Obama, the answer is capital N, capital O with a swear word before and after it. Look at that. Among Trump voters, Barack Obama has a 5% approval rating. And, you know, Republicans have always hated President Obama, but the hatred for President Obama among Trump voters is even stronger than it is among Republicans more broadly. You ask Republican voters that same question, they give President Obama a 9% approval rating. And that's still low, but that's almost double the proportion of Trump voters who like him. So yeah, we do have a partisan split in this country and Democrats and Republicans see things differently, blah, blah, blah. But there's something a little bit special going on with Trump voters. And I think this is where it starts to get really hairy. Everybody knows that unemployment has dropped under Barack Obama, but not Donald Trump voters. And not by a mile, look at that, by a 47 point margin. Donald Trump voters, look at that graph on the right and say, hmm, yes, unemployment has gone up under President Obama by a 47-point margin. The whole rest of the country gets it, but look at that among Trump voters. That's insane, that is plainly wrong. And it's, this is not even one of those things that is widely misunderstood among the American people and Trump voters just happen to be a little more confused about it than other people. No, everybody gets this. But Trump voters don't, by a huge margin. They're in a fantasy world about this. They do not know what is true when you ask them about this issue, even though the rest of the country does know what's true. And that's, that's what I think is actually really important and really interesting about this poll. And I know it's a poll after an election, but I feel like there are protests in the streets tonight, big ones. This was just before our show went on the air tonight. This is out my window in my office. Huge, loud protest against Donald Trump being elected president went by. This is out my window from my office just a few minutes ago. Bad stuff happens. <laughs> Even potential end of the world stuff. Sometimes it does happen. Sometimes it turns out to be your generation, your workplace, your country. There are doomsday plans going into action all over this country right now. It's the brink of nuclear war. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.